For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, Yeshua, from Genesis to Revelation. This is part 18 of the series. Well, who is in Babylon that's elected together with somebody else? Those in Babylon are the Jews who were taken captive originally by King Nebuchadnezzar. The Jews in Babylon are elected together with their brothers of the northern kingdom. Peter is saying that your brothers of the southern kingdom, those Jews who are in Babylon, say hi to you. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 2, that the strangers who are scattered there said that they are elect. Elect means chosen. Who in the Bible is called elect? It's the nation of Israel. Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 4, it is written, For Jacob my servant's sake, and Israel my elect. The word elect is the Strong's number 972 in the Hebrew dictionary, and it is the Hebrew word bacher. It means chosen, choice one, or the elect of God. In 1 Peter in chapter 2 and verse 9, it is written, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Who in the Bible are referred to as being elect or chosen or a special people? It is the nation of Israel. Deuteronomy in chapter 7 and verse 6, it is written, but you are a holy people under the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the faith of the earth. In 1 Peter in chapter 1 and verse 10, it is written that the prophets prophesied of the grace that would come to you. The prophets prophesied of the grace that would come to the northern kingdom. This is who Peter is writing this letter to. Where do we see the prophets prophesying of the grace coming to the northern kingdom? Well, one of the places is in Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 20, which states, is is Ephraim my dear son? The end of the verse says, I will surely have mercy upon him, says the Lord. And then in Hosea in chapter 2 verse 23, I will sow her unto me in the earth and I will have mercy upon her that had not obtained mercy. First Peter chapter 1 verse 
14 it is written, For as much as you know that you will not redeem with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, this is referring to the fact that the northern kingdom has obtained redemption or salvation, verse 19, through the precious blood of Messiah. Their redemption and salvation and restoration didn't come by returning to the oral law or rabbinic Judaism, but their salvation or restoration came through the shed blood of Yeshua on the tree. Now we look at 1 Peter in chapter 2 and verse 25 as our final evidence that this letter of 1 Peter is written to the northern kingdom in exile. It says in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 25, but you were as sheep going astray, but you have returned to the shepherd and the bishop of your soul. Do you realize they can't return to the shepherd and bishop unless they had originally been with him, but then something happened and they are now returning. Well, what was the something that happened? They broke the covenant. When they broke the covenant, they were exiled in the nations of the world. They got scattered. They were as sheep that got scattered and were going astray. But now they understand that the Redeemer has come, Yeshua the Messiah. They now believe on him. They've repented of the sins. So they have returned to the shepherd and bishop of their soul. Therefore, we can see that this letter of 1 Peter is being written to the northern kingdom. And this particular letter is written to the northern kingdom being located in the areas of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, which includes the area that was called Asia Minor. I want you to notice in 1 Peter in chapter 1 verse 1 of these areas that are stated where the northern kingdom are living. Now, of course, this is not the only areas where they were living, but this is where they were living when and Peter is addressing this epistle. He's writing to those who were living in that area. That's not the only area where the northern kingdom were living in exile. He was writing to a particular group in this particular area of the world. Now, what we're going to see next is in Acts chapter 2, those who came to Jerusalem to celebrate Shabbat or the Feast of Pentecost, there were those who are there, Jews, as well as a remnant from the northern kingdom. In Acts, in chapter 2, in verse 1, it says it was the day of Pentecost. We see in Acts chapter 2, in verse 5, that there were Jews who were there. Acts chapter 2, verse 5, they were dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. And then, of the areas where those who came to Jerusalem to celebrate Shavuot or the Feast of Pentecost, it says in Acts chapter 2 verse 9, there were those who came from Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia. Those are the exact areas where the northern kingdom was living as Peter wrote his epistle to them. And then in Acts chapter 2 and verse 10, it says there were there those in Jerusalem celebrating the Feast of Pentecost or Shavuot. There were strangers of Rome, 
strangers is referred to non-Jews, Jews, and proselytes. Proselytes were non-Jews who identified with Judah. So we have those three categories of people, strangers of Rome, non-Jews, Jews, and proselytes, non-Jews who identified with Judah. Look at this, Acts chapter 2, verse 9, they came from Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia. First Peter chapter 1, verse 1, the strangers who are scattered are located in Pontus, Cappadocia, and Asia. But Acts chapter 2, verse 10 says, the strangers were also located in Rome. From this, hopefully we can see that when Paul is writing his letter to the Romans, he is addressing those of the northern kingdom who are living in Rome. Peter was addressing those of the northern kingdom who were living in Asia Minor, and Paul is addressing his letter to the Romans to those of the northern kingdom who are living in Rome. We can see this, Romans in chapter 9 and verse Verse 24, it is written, even us whom he has called. Well, who in the Bible is called of God? It is the nation of Israel. Even us whom he has called, not of the Jews only, the Jews would be the southern kingdom or the house of Judah, but also the Gentiles, as he says in Hosea. The Gentiles, as he says in Hosea. Wait a second. The book of Hosea wasn't written to the Gentiles. The book of Hosea was written to the northern kingdom. So the context of the use of the word Gentile in Romans chapter 9 verse 24 it is speaking of those of the northern kingdom who are living in Rome it says as it says in Hosea I will call them my people which were not my people and her beloved which were not beloved Hosea in chapter 2 and verse 23 now Romans chapter 9 verse 26 quotes from Hosea chapter 1 verse 10 and it will come to pass that in the place where it was said of them you are not my people People, there shall they be called the children of the living God. Just as Peter was pointing out in his letter in 1 Peter that he was writing to the northern kingdom in Asia Minor and he was showing them the prophecies regarding themselves in the book of Hosea, Paul is doing the same thing. Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11, Paul is explaining how, going back to Jeremiah, in chapter 11 verses 16 and 17 where the house of Jacob is called an olive tree consisting of Jeremiah 11 verse 17 the house of Israel and the house of Judah that this olive tree the branches of it are broken Jeremiah chapter 11 verse 16 how did the branches of the olive tree get broken by breaking the covenant at Mount Sinai it resulted into exile in the nations Paul is going to explain in Romans 9, 10, and 11 how the broken branches of the olive tree are going to be restored. And he's going to explain in Romans 11, verse 17, that the wild branches are grafted in. And then in Romans 11, verse 24, that the natural branches are grafted in. In doing so, he's going to explain the role of the northern kingdom in believing 
in Yeshua as the Messiah, that in believing he's the Messiah and returning to Torah, what their prophesied task is as it relates to Judah and ultimately the uniting of the 12 tribes of Israel. Let's see how this is so. Romans in chapter 10 and verse 19, it says, but I say, did not Israel know? For first Moses said, when he's referring to Moses, he's referring to the Torah. So he's got a quote from the Torah. And where he's got a quote from is Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 21, where Paul goes on to say in Romans chapter 10, verse 19, first Moses said, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people or not my people. That's the prophecy of Hosea chapter 1, verse 9 to the northern kingdom. And by a foolish nation, a nation that doesn't follow Torah, I will anger you. Paul is quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 21, and speaking about the prophecy to the northern kingdom that ultimately is associated with the book of Hosea. Deuteronomy 32, verse 21, they have moved me to jealousy with that which is not God. They have provoked me to anger with their vanities. I will move them to jealousy with not a people. Deuteronomy 32 is called the second song of Moses. It is called the Hazinu. And Deuteronomy chapter 32 is a prophecy of what will happen to the nation of Israel following the generation that came out of Egypt. And in the prophecy, it is stated here in Deuteronomy 32, 21, that there is going to be a people that's going to have the status of not being a people that is going to provoke another people to jealousy. Well, it was in the book of Hosea where we find that the northern kingdom was called not a people. And in the prophecy in Deuteronomy chapter 32 about them, it is said that they ultimately are called to provoke another people that is Judah to jealousy. And that is what Paul is explaining here as we continue on in Romans chapter 10 and verse 20. But Isaiah is very bold and said, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that ask not after me. Paul is quoting from Isaiah chapter 65 verse 1 as it is written, I am sought of them that ask not for me. I am found of them that sought me not. I said, behold me, behold me unto a nation not called by my name. Who is the nation that was not called by his name? Or who is the nation that was called not my people? It was the northern kingdom in the prophecy of Hosea chapter 1 and verse 9. So Paul uses a verse from the Torah and a verse from the prophets to show that a people that is going to have the status of not a people, that would be the northern kingdom, is going to provoke another people ultimately to jealousy. In the book Ephraim, the Gentile children of Israel, written by Yardaviti, who is an Orthodox Jew who lives in Jerusalem, on page 226, he explains that the rabbis understand that Isaiah chapter 65 verse 1, which is what Paul is quoting from in Romans chapter 10 and verse 20, is written about the northern kingdom or the ten tribes, where he explains in the book, Isaiah 65 speaks mainly concerning the ten lost tribes, and then he quotes from Isaiah in chapter 65 and verse 1. In Romans chapter 11 verse 1, Paul says, has God cast away his people? Has God cast away the house of Judah? 
though? He answers the question, God forbid. No, he has not. And then he says, how can God cast away the house of Judah or the Jewish people when I am Jewish and I'm a believer in Yeshua? Paul says, I'm an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. Then Paul asks a question regarding Judah in Romans chapter 11, 11. I say then, have they stumbled, that is stumbled in believing that Yeshua is the Messiah, that they should fall or to be eternally cast off? And he answers it, God forbid, no, they have not. But it was rather through their fall or them not accepting Yeshua as the Messiah at his first coming, that salvation has come to the Gentiles to provoke them, Judah, to jealousy. Who's the Gentiles that salvation has come to? That these Gentiles are going to provoke Judah to jealousy? The context of the word Gentile here, of what he is explaining in Romans 9, 10, and 11, it's referring to the northern kingdom or Ephraim, the ten tribes. Romans chapter 11, verse 12, Paul goes on to explain, now if the fall of them, that is Judah, not accepting Yeshua as the Messiah, corporately, be the richest of the world, that is by Judah not receiving Yeshua as the Messiah, it enabled the northern kingdom to be a partaker of the new covenant in Yeshua the Messiah, and also all those from the nations to be partakers of the new covenant in Yeshua the Messiah, if that big blessing came about to the world, when Judah rejected Yeshua as the Messiah at his first coming, how much more be their fullness, that is, them receiving Yeshua as the Messiah? In Romans 11 verse 15, that if the casting away them be the reconciliation of the world, enabling those who were not in covenant relationship with Yeshua in the world to be in covenant relationship with him. If that big blessing came about when Judah corporately did not accept Yeshua as the Messiah, Paul asks the question, Romans chapter 11, verse 15, what will be the receiving of them? What will be the result of Judah believing that Yeshua is the Messiah? And he gives the answer, life from the dead. But what is the meaning of his answer, life from the dead? Well, let's explain two things here. What would have been the result if when Yeshua, who rode into Jerusalem on the donkey at Passover season, what would have been the result if ultimately, after Yeshua was examined and put on trial by the Jewish religious leaders, what would have happened if they would have accepted him and proclaimed him as the Messiah, what would have happened is the Messianic kingdom would have been set up right at that time. You see, because, and even though it was Passover season when Yeshua rode into Jerusalem on the donkey, that the people, when he rode into Jerusalem, they put palm branches on the ground before him. And the reason why they were doing this is they were welcoming him as a king. But then, when he was put on trial before the Jewish religion, religious leaders, he was rejected as being the king of Israel. He was rejected as being the Messiah of Israel. So the setting up of the kingdom was delayed. You see, if Judah would have received Yeshua as the Messiah and the kingdom would have been set up, then the opportunity for the northern kingdom to be grafted back into the covenant and all those from the nations to receive
receive the redemptive work of Yeshua when he died on the tree would not have happened. So that's what Paul was referring to regarding this big blessing that came to the world when Judah and the Jewish leadership did not accept Yeshua as their king and as their Messiah. He said if that big blessing came about when they rejected him, what will be the result when they receive him as the Messiah? The answer is life from the dead. And this is referring to the uniting of the 12 tribes of Israel. Going back to the book of Ezekiel, in Ezekiel in chapter 37, we have the account where Ezekiel is given a vision about dry bones. And he's told in Ezekiel chapter 37 verse 11 that these bones are the whole house of Israel, all 12 tribes. Then he says regarding these dry bones in Ezekiel chapter 37 and verses 12 and 13, prophesy to them and say, thus says the Lord God, behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves. Well, if you're in your grave, you're dead. And what's he referring to as the graves of the people? It's being exiled into the nations of the world. I'm going to take you out of your graves and I'm going to bring you into the land of Israel. Well, if you come up out of your graves, then you are being resurrected. So the return of the exiles of Israel from the lands where they've been scattered to the land of Israel, which is the uniting of the 12 tribes, ultimately, that is likened to a resurrection of the dead. And then it says in Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 13, and you will know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves. You will know that who is the Lord. You will know that Yeshua is the Messiah when I have opened your graves or I bring the exiles of Israel back to the land and have the unification of the 12 tribes of Israel. Paul understood that Judah as a corporate people in the Jewish leadership would accept Yeshua as the Messiah when there was and is the uniting of the 12 tribes of Israel, which is an event that's associated with Jacob's trouble, Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 3, Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse 7, and Messianic times when Messiah sets his feet down on the Mount of Olives, Zechariah 14, verse 4, and sets up his kingdom, teaching the Torah to all nations from Jerusalem, Isaiah in chapter 2 and verse 3. Ultimately, the uniting of the 12 tribes of Israel is the fulfillment of the prophecy that continues in Ezekiel chapter 37, beginning in verse 16. Moreover, son of man, take you one stick. The word stick in Hebrew is eight, which means tree, and write upon it for Judah, for the children of Israel, his companions, then take another stick or another eight, another tree. What tree is being taken hold of? An olive tree and write upon it for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, and for all the house of Israel, his companions. Then it says in Ezekiel in chapter 37 and verse 17, join them one to another into one eight, one tree. Take two olive trees, join them and make them one olive tree and they will become one in your hand. The result is the uniting of the 12 tribes of Israel and one of the places where this will take place is upon the mountains of Israel called Judea and Samaria or the West Bank. Ezekiel 37, 22, I will make them one nation in the land upon the mountains of Israel. Goes on to say in Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 24, and David, my servant, that's a term for the kingly Messiah. He will be king over them and 
they will have one shepherd, one shepherd and one king. That is the Messiah of Israel. That is Yeshua. And they will walk in his statutes and observe his judgments and do them. They will proclaim Yeshua as the Messiah and they will be following his Torah. Well, that's going to conclude part 18 of the series on the subject Yeshua from Genesis to Revelation. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.